Good morning. Welcome to all of you who are joining us for Faith CRC of Elmhurst worship this week. We are in the third Sunday of Advent as we continue to look toward Christmas. And Advent is every year a time of waiting and expectation. And especially this year with all the challenges that 2020 has brought and continues to bring, Advent reminds us that we aren't there yet, that we are still waiting for God's kingdom and we still are, are hoping for things that we have not yet experienced. And day to day we might be tempted to anger or to despair, but the Lord calls us to worship, to be renewed, to find hope again. And so we gather this Advent to look toward Jesus our Savior. A couple announcements this morning before we begin worship. First, Faith's Council has decided that due to pandemic guidelines, the current conditions, we are going to be worshiping via live stream only for the next few weeks. Um, so our videos will be available via live stream on Sunday morning. And then also afterwards, you can check out our YouTube channels. And we ask and we pray and we hope that you're able to continue to participate in worship, even in unusual ways, even during this hard time. This Advent and Christmas season, uh, members of our church are reading and posting to our YouTube Faith Connect channel a daily scripture reading. So every day through Advent leading up to Christmas, and then for the 12 days of Christmas after that, we're going to have someone from our congregation read a scripture passage that, that relates to this season and offer a brief reflection and prayer. So check those out if you haven't been already. And finally, faith council members are working to connect, to connect with everyone in their elder and deacon districts. So if you get a call from a number that you don't recognize the next few weeks, please do pick up. If it's a salesperson, you can hang up again right away. But our elders and deacons want to check in with all of our congregations, see how we're all doing in this really strange and hard holiday season, and also get a little bit of input as we continue to look forward to what faith will look like in the future. So again, just answer the call. If no one calls you in the next little bit, feel free to pick up the phone yourself and call your district elder and deacon, and you can check our, our bulletins, which are emailed out or on the faith website for the list of districts and where you would fit in there. We're going to begin worship with an Advent reading and candle lighting today. Hi, we're the Egan family. Today is a day of joy. A new time is coming, and so we rejoice. In a desperate and empty world, we find our true love in the promise of Jesus. We look forward to the coming of our Savior, joy to the world. And I am going to read from Isaiah 65, 17 through 25. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight, and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will, will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. 
My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be people blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and the dust will be the, ser the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Please pray with us. Source of all joy, lift our hearts by your presence. In this strange and hard year, it's hard to celebrate. We see the challenges more easily than we see the joys of these days. Forgive us, refresh our hearts so that we join in the song of joy at the coming of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll continue in song. Join me in prayer. Our Father and our source of all joy, lift our hearts by your presence. In this strange year, it's hard to celebrate. We see the challenges more easily than we see the joys. And we ask that you forgive us and refresh our hearts so that we can join in a song of joy at the coming of Jesus. Amen.
We rejoice because our Redeemer has come. Receive, receive this greeting and blessing from the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit. And let's respond by rejoicing in our Lord, King, and Savior. of Advent, as we, as we look toward Jesus' birth, well, really in every season of the Christian life, but especially as we look toward Jesus' birth, we think of the Savior who came down to us in order to deliver us from the depths and the darkness of our sin and our evil and our trouble. And when we look to the Lord who delivers us from the darkness, we also look to the Lord who brings us into His light, who brings us into a new kind of life. And and so as we reflect on God's will for our lives together this morning, we're going to focus on how God's will leads us 
from the light into the darkness and how we can build our life on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I'll read through all of this, but you're invited to join on the bold parts where it indicates the people read. Let's, let's hear God's will. Let's celebrate God's will for our lives. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In Him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through your faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. And a couple announcements for our congregational prayers before we go to our congregational prayer. First, last Friday, Audra Bethany Voss joined her family. We congratulate Brian and Danielle and all of Audra's sisters. Everyone is doing well, and we pray for continued blessing on Audra and all our children here at Faith. Also, Ron Vandernald is scheduled to have a heart valve procedure tomorrow morning, so please keep Ron in your prayers that the surgery and the recovery would go well. And now, let's pray. Father, help us to live in Christ. Help all of us to grow deeper roots for our faith. And help us to grow up into the full measure of Christ. Open our eyes to see your heavenly ways and guide our feet to walk in them. We are, so many of us and so often, discouraged, disappointed, defeated these days. 
this year hasn't been what we've wanted, and, and the days are growing colder and darker and shorter. Life for many of us feels smaller and more fragmented than it used to. This pandemic continues to give us trouble after trouble after trouble, isolation, worry, sickness, fear, frustration. And Father, our nation too in these days is is becoming, it seems, more and more divided and fractured and and everything is politicized. Lord, we, we hardly know how to live together anymore. And Father, these, these days are especially hard for, for those who have said goodbye to loved ones who have passed on through death and, and who, will, who we will not see again in this life. Too many of us have these recently opened voids in our lives that we, we reach out for a spouse, we pick up the phone to call a parent, we, we think about how a friend or a family member will laugh over this thing when we tell them and And then we realize that we will never have that conversation. We will never hear that laugh again. And we bump into that empty space, that void. This season of of the holidays and looking toward Christmas is always hard for those in grief. But this year, this year it's especially difficult. And Father, this year is challenging for all of us. We are more isolated than we usually are. We can't encourage each other in the ways we usually would. We get down and out of sorts and grumpy faster than usual. It takes us harder to bounce back from hard days or or health challenges. Lord, we, we think of all of those who continue to face health difficulties in these days. We think especially of Ron Vandernald and we pray that you bless his continued recovery from from past treatment. We pray that you bless his heart procedure tomorrow. Help that to go well, to, to give him more energy and to improve his overall health. Father, we think too of those in our congregation, those in our society who are providing medical care, who are concerned about all the situations they're facing, who, who have so much work to do and who face a dwindling reserve of energy to do it. Lord, we pray that you provide bountifully all that we need. And Father, what we need most of all, what each of us needs, what our church needs, what our world needs, most of all is more of you. We're overwhelmed by our troubles, and and part of that is that they're overwhelming and they they flood us and engulf us, but, but part of that is that we don't have our feet firmly set on the rock of Christ. We struggle to see through the fog of our troubles and we forget that you are with us and you are carrying us along. And so we pray that you help us to live more and more by faith and give us hope. And we dare to ask even that you give us joy in this Advent season. And Father, we do rejoice in the good gifts that you've given us. We give you thanks for the gifts that you've given us as a church so that we can support others as we did through our gift drive for Ebenezer last week. We're grateful for how you've brought healing and hope as you did for Dorothy Allen these last couple weeks. We're grateful for how you continue to provide new life and, and we think of and we give thanks for Audra and for all of our children here at Faith for, for our church family. We are grateful for how you continue to provide for us day after day. And we pray that you help all of us 
to really live not, at our, not out of our own reserves, but in the strength of Christ. Build us up and enable us to rejoice and to overflow with thankfulness and generosity. Amen. As we prepare to hear God's word, we're going to together sing several verses from the song, Angels from the Realms of Glory. Please join in praising the Lord. This morning, we're continuing our Faith Family Stories gospel series on the first couple chapters of the Gospel of Matthew. And the first, really most, almost all of the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew is focused on the genealogy, the family history of Jesus. And it's not just a list of names, but it's a, it's a gathering of stories, of family stories of how God has worked with his people of faith over the years. And that means that those stories are our stories too. So as we look toward Christmas in this Advent season, we're paying attention to some of these stories that the Gospel of Matthew opens with. And today we're looking at a story of King David that sheds light for us on the story of King Jesus. So in a moment we'll read several scripture passages, but before we do that, let's again go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Please pray with me. 
Father, there are many things that take our attention away from you. There is much in our lives and, and much even in this moment right now that could distract us from you and your word. But Lord, we pray that you help us as we gather to hear your word to truly listen to you. Help us to have respectful hearts and to have a, a time this morning of good worship, of good conversation with you through, through bringing you our prayers and our praises and also also through truly hearing your word. Lord, we pray that you bless us as we read your word, as we reflect on it. Use it to change our lives, even today and even this week. Amen. So we're going to read three scripture passages this morning. We're going to begin with a reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Then we'll go to the Old Testament for a reading from 2 Samuel. And then we'll come back to the New Testament for a reading from the Gospel of Luke. Hear the word of the Lord for us today. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. And then we turn to 2 Samuel chapter 5, and we read a story of King David. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him, but David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord answered him, Go, for I will surely hand the Philistines over to you. So David went to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, As waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. Once more, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, Do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the balsam trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, move quickly, because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. And then we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2 and read part of the Christmas story that we often read this time of year. Again, hear the word of the Lord. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This is God's word for us this morning. We're going to start this morning by talking about a season of Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. And Scrooge is one of, one of those class, classic Christmas characters. He's from Charles Dickens' brief story, A Christmas Carol. And, and when we think of Christmas, we, we probably have a pretty good image of Scrooge. Scrooge is, well, he's a miserable miser. And he's a grump. At the beginning of that story, we see Scrooge bullying his employee and, and hardly even wanting to give him Christmas off. And we see Scrooge consistently not caring about and refusing to help those who are less, less wealthy, less important than he considers himself. And we see Scrooge is, is alone and he's miserable. He's got lots of money but nothing else in his life. And then on this particular Christmas Eve... Scrooge is visited by a series of, of supernatural, supernatural ghosts, Christmas, past, present, and future. And that story becomes a pivot point in Scrooge's life. What, what does his past look like? What does his present look, present look like? And what will his future look like? Well, this Advent season and this year feels like really a, a season of Scrooge. As I talked to people from the congregation this week, we had any, I had any number of phone calls with people about church business or checking up on how they were doing or, or questions about this or that, and, and life just feels right now like this is a season where Ebenezer Scrooge is getting his way. People are running out of bandwidth to keep on going. We, uh, we don't like to admit it, but many of us are, are really depressed. We're disappointed in how this holiday season is going. We're, we're frustrated. We're frustrated with the world around us. We're frustrated with other people. We're frustrated with ourselves. And we're treating each other like how Scrooge treated people at the beginning of a Christmas carol. We're We're angry. We're impatient. We're self-centered. We don't have what we want. We don't feel like we have what we need. And we need help. And when I initially laid out this series, and, and when I was thinking about Advent, I thought we really need to emphasize that this is a time of waiting. This is a time of not being there yet. But as I talked to the congregation this week, and as I dug deeper into these texts, I thought we, we're still in Advent, we're still waiting, but some of what we need at this point is more encouragement. And so I'm, I'm going to give away the, the plot and the ending of this sermon, and it's really all about just helping us look to Jesus. Look to Jesus who the angels sang for, look to Jesus who has accomplished great things for us, look to Jesus who is our great Lord and our wonderful, beautiful Savior. So that's, that's where all of this is going. But to get there, we're going to work through a number of stories. In 2 Samuel, 
up to the point that we read, it's been a really difficult season for Israel. The first couple verses talk about, talk about how when the Israelites hear that David has been anointed king over Israel, they come up to the valley of Rephaim and they come to defeat David and to wipe out the army of Israel. Twice the text tells us that the Israelites came and they spread out in the valley of Rephaim to fight King David and all of his army. And there's, there's a significant backstory there that if we think back to King Saul, King Saul's reign ended with Saul's death. And if we go even a little bit further back from that, Israel was by and large a, a country of the mountains. They lived up in the hills. The hills and the valleys is, is where the Israelites held power at this point. And they were relatively poor and relatively weak. But down on the way to the sea and down in the flatlands where there was really good farmland were the Philistines. And the Philistines traded over the sea. They had good farmland. They were much more developed and much more powerful than Israel had ever been. And King Saul had, had kind of pulled Israel together, but, but then the Philistines had defeated him and they'd almost succeeded in wiping out his whole family. So, so Israel, these people up in the hills had been pushed way, way back and they were in chaos and the Philistines were, were pretty fat and happy about it down on the plains. And David has been king of, of the southern couple tribes of Judah for a while now. But that's not much. That's two of the 12 tribes. And, and all the other 10 tribes in the north of Israel are just scattered, weak, not able to pull together. And this has really been to the Philistines' advantage. But now we come to this text, and the Israelites, the, the north 10 tribes, have finally come, and they've made David king over all 12 tribes, over all 12 tribes, we, we begin to see a united kingdom. And then right before the text that we read for today, David finally conquers the city of Jerusalem. Up to this time, the Jebusites, a, another group, had ruled over Jerusalem, this tremendously defensible and, and difficult to attack city that was right at the border between the southern two and the northern ten tribes. So David conquers that city and he makes it his new capital. And so now, now Israel is rising. King David is rising. And so the Philistines come out in power. And this battle, or these two battles, are going to be, they're going to be a pivot point for King David and for the history of Israel. If the Philistines defeat King David, then they're going to have an entryway into the southern kingdom and they're going to be able to go and wipe out those two tribes. And the north is going to lose all respect for David and they're going to break off and go back to their own chaos. If King David loses, Israel is probably finished forever. But if King David wins, if King David wins, then he's pushed the Philistines out of the hills and down into the plains and he's put them on the defensive and he's united the kingdom and finally... Finally, God's people can again have the sense that, that they are together and that God is working for them. And so that's, that's where our text opens. That's where verses 17 and 18 get us. And then as we continue, as we continue in this text, we move from a difficult season where the Philistines have been, have been on the ascendance and we move to the rise of King David. And the text tells us the story of two battles. 
And I think it tells us those two battles, it could have just picked one and focused on that because it's the same result in both. But it gives us two because each highlights a little different aspect of how, how the Lord is exalting King David. And it also, by repetition, says, pay attention. This is a pivot point. This is a moment of transformation that Israel will either go one way or the other. And it's really significant in verses 19 and 23 in this text, what David does before each of those battles. And what David does when the Philistines have come up and they are ready to attack, David inquires of the Lord. David doesn't focus on defensive or offensive strategies or things like that. He focuses on going to the Lord God and saying, Lord, what would you have us do? Second Samuel wants to show us King David as the ideal king of God's people. He doesn't rule by his own power. He doesn't focus on what's humanly possible, but he focuses on where the Lord is calling him to go. He wants to build God's kingdom in God's way. And then every time that David goes to the Lord, the Lord tells him to fight. And we'll talk about each of those two battles in turn now. And let's start by again reading verses 19 to 21. This is the first battle that David fights here. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord answered him, Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, As waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perasim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. In this battle, David and his, his army are entirely aware that it's not their strength, but the Lord's strength that has brought them to the victory. Those words, Baal Perasim or Baal Perasim, mean the Lord breaks out. And there's this sense of, of the Lord striking out with power in a way that the Philistines had not experienced for quite some time from Israel, in a way that Israel had not seen for quite a while. The Lord breaks out and strikes out against their enemies, and the Philistines are utterly defeated. And the account of that battle ends with a really strange phrase that when I first read through this text, I thought was really, really troubling. It tells us that the Philistines abandoned their idols. And then it tells us that David and his men picked up those idols and carried them off. And almost always in the Old Testament, when God's people get involved with idols, that's a problem. That's a sign of a lack of faithfulness. But 2 Samuel actually wants us to hear this particular carrying off of the enemy's idols in a different way. See, earlier in 1 Samuel, there was a time that, that God's people had taken the Ark of the Covenant, the, the place, the, the place where God dwelled in the midst of his people, and, and they brought that Ark into battle because they thought, if we have the Ark, then God will be on our side and do what we want. They had treated the Lord God as if he was just another idol, as if they could control him. And, and in that battle, the Israelites lost, and the Philistines carried off the Ark of the covenant. The Lord's people had lost. 
And in the ancient Near East, that was standard practice, that that different armies would carry idols, would carry images of their gods into battle, and the idea was your gods would help you out, and, and if you lost, it must mean the gods had abandoned you, but if you won and you took the other people's gods, it was like adding to your own army. And so it was, was common practice, but it was one the Israelites didn't usually, or at least weren't usually supposed to get involved in. But here what's going on is the Lord is saying, I have conquered those puny little so-called Philistine gods. I have conquered them. I have broken out and struck out against them, and now they are my captives. And so King David and his men carrying off the idols after this battle is them taking captive the forces of evil and showing that in in opposition to the king that the Lord has chosen, these idols are handcuffed and, and carried off into defeat and imprisonment. This isn't about the physical battle. It's about the spiritual battle. And the Lord has won. But then again, after that in this text, the Philistines come back up to the valley of Rephaim. And and let's again pick up the text and read from verses 22 to 25 again. Once more, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, Do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the balsam trees. And as soon as you hear the sound of marching in the top of the balsam trees, move quickly. Because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. The Lord Lord again gives David victory. And this time it's even more obvious that it's the Lord who's acting. That, That sound at the top of the trees... You know, there's some commentators who say, ah, it was just some wind, and so they went with it. But, but that's not at all what the text intends to say. When we hear that, that rushing wind at the top of the trees, what we hear is the power of God going out to defeat the enemies of his people. And you can, you can discuss, and it's not entirely clear if this is God sending his army of angels, if this is the sound of angels marching forward to to defeat the Philistines, or if it's the sound of God's own presence coming down like a rushing wind to go out in front of his army and and defeat his people. There's a range of interpretation there, but either way you take it, this is the power of the Lord sent to deliver his people. And so because of the Lord's work, not because of King David, not because of his army, not because Israel has finally united all the tribes, but, but because of the Lord's work, David arises. And this chapter of 2 Samuel is is the pivot point from David rising to David reigning. Now, finally, a king after God's own heart is on the throne. Now, there's a temptation with a lot of stories, especially in the Old Testament, and, and maybe especially if you think of stories like David and Goliath, that we would take the stories and we would say, okay, David did that, We should do this. David did that. We should do that. And our temptation is to become kind of moralistic and say, well, what this text is telling us is that we should be like King David. And we're tempted to make our lives about finding the right pattern so that we can experience victory like David did. And 
And that's actually not at all what this text is trying to tell us. You see, if we look at David, if we look at other figures in the Bible, with, with one exception, they all fail. All of them. King David sees great success here. He's a wonderful king. He's after God's own heart. He's, he's seen as an example, but, but he's also in many ways a disaster. King David is, is wonderful and he's awful. In Matthew chapter 1, we, we see some of both, that, that Jesus is brought up as the son of David, the son of King David, the descendant of King David, King David. But at the same time, well, David is, is the son of Jesse and he's the father of Solomon by, by the woman who had been Uriah's wife who King David arranged to have murdered so he could steal his wife. King David, well... He's great, and he's a flop. And so Matthew wants us in his gospel to to see that and and not to have us hear, boy, we should be like King David. What we should see is David as a pointer to King Jesus. And so the rise of King David is not about what we should do, but it's really ultimately about the coming of King Jesus. That's That's where this story from 2 Samuel wants to bring us. When Matthew begins his gospel by talking about Jesus as the son of David, for the first century Jews, for the people who first heard these stories and read this book, that would have, that would have brought up wonderful pictures of, of the past kings of Israel and, and how there were golden ages that God's people could look back to. And it also would have, would have aroused hopes of this coming king who was finally going to make things right for God's people. And Matthew wants wants us to hear all of that when he brings up David in this genealogy. He wants us to feel all the excitement and all the hope of of this pivot moment, of this time where the Lord is going to, to move history, to transform the world, to make everything different. The Lord has been preparing for this moment for centuries, and now, in Matthew 1, we finally get there. And if we think to to the beginning of Luke and to that story that we read from Luke, again, we see the power, the army, the majesty of God showing up, and and this time, the angels show up, not, not exactly as a military force to defeat the Philistines, but instead, they show up as a was an army of proclamation and praise as people who are announcing the coming of the king who will make all things right. When Jesus comes, that that is like King David and his army hearing the marching in the treetops. This is a sign that something supernatural is happening. This is a sign that this is not just a physical battle, but it's a spiritual battle. And the power of the Lord is coming so that his king will win. The angels blow up the night sky with praise. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. King Jesus, he comes to deliver his people. He is the king who always follows God's way and and he's the king who battle after battle 
as the forces of evil continue to assault God's people and they, they're defeated and they run away and they come back and they're defeated and they run away and they come back, as, as that goes on and on, King Jesus continues to defeat evil. He's the king at the pivot point of history and the one who accomplishes salvation. And so because of King Jesus, we can, we can look at today and instead of seeing this as a season of Scrooge, we can think about, we can think about what I'm going to call some, some Ebenezer moments in our lives. And we, we need Ebenezer moments. Second Samuel shows us that the Lord works powerfully through his king to deliver his people. Matthew 1 shows us that coming king and then and then Luke 2 shows us the angels proclaiming that king. But we read all of that. We work through the stories that we've heard this morning. And, and you know, it could still leave us where we were an hour or a day ago. We are still depressed, disappointed, frustrated. When we read these stories, even if we believe them with all our hearts, it can be so hard to see how they actually impact our lives today. We, we struggle to see how this matters. In the story of our lives, things are often very, very bleak and gray. We are still in Advent, this season of waiting. And so we, we need most of all, we need most of all not to adopt coping strategies or not to, to bear down and just power through. We need not to insist on getting our own way in this or that. We, we need to look to Jesus. That is the work that we're called to do in this season. To go and to inquire of the Lord and to ask Him to have this be a pivot moment in our lives. Ebenezer Scrooge was visited by the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. And the ghost of Christmas past showed him all all the joy he had that he'd systematically cut out of his life. And the ghost of Christmas present showed him how how really miserable he was and the ghost of Christmas future showed that he was going to a well to a grave that was forgotten and and the best thing he was going to do in his old life was was to die and get out of other people's way and through those stories Ebenezer realizes that he needs to change everything and so he does today Today is an Ebenezer moment for us. And if you know where the name Ebenezer comes from, it actually comes from the book of Samuel. It comes from a text just a few chapters ahead of the text that we read for today where where the Philistines come and where they are defeated. And then the prophet Samuel sets up a pile of rocks to remind God's people that he is faithful. And Ebenezer is literally rock of help. Eben, rock, Ezer, help, rock of help. And what we need today is, is to pay attention to the Ebenezers and the Ebenezer that God has given us. We need 
to look to Jesus, our rock of help. And I recognize that that can sound very trite. That can sound like we're just saying, oh, just look at Jesus and everything will be fine. And, and well, it'll still be a hard Advent and it's still a hard Christmas this year. But what other hope do we have? What other hope do we have? If we put our hope in this holiday season and getting back to normal life as quickly as possible, well, we're going to be disappointed because normal life isn't going to come back anytime soon. And even if it did, we would still have to deal with all of the evil in this world that will continue to attack us. And if we put our hope in keeping ourselves safe and in, and in isolation and, and in all of that, we're still going to be disappointed because this world is not a safe place. And whether it's COVID-19 or something else, trouble will always find us. And so what we need in this Advent and Christmas season is, is to look toward our Ebenezer, to look toward Jesus, our rock of help. These stories are here to open up our eyes, to show us that what we see is not all there is. And the stories that we pay attention to shape who we are. The stories that we listen to, the stories that we internalize, the stories that we tell ourselves about the world shape how we live and ultimately who we become. And so this Advent and Christmas, let's tell ourselves Ebenezer stories, not Scrooge stories. So let's continue to look to Jesus. Let's go and inquire of the Lord. Ask Him to show you the way. Prayer. Prayer is a weapon in our spiritual battle. And also trust in the Lord that He will fight this battle for us. Many of us are, are anxious to get our way and, and to make sure things work out right so that, so that the faith continues and so that the church is built. But trust and even rest, Sabbath rest, is one of the tools in this spiritual battle where we let God be God and we trust Him. And then praise the Lord. Give the Lord glory. Our great calling as Christians is to worship the Lord and to worship Him in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. And our worship, our worship is spiritual warfare. When we worship the Lord, we are singing and we are shouting battle cries. And we are acknowledging that it is not our fight, but it is the Lord's and He will win. So pray to the Lord, trust the Lord, praise the Lord. And as we do that, we become more and more able to hear Him and to live into the story of King Jesus. We need our Ebenezers. We need our stories that show us that King Jesus is in charge. So this Advent, pay attention to the gospel. Pay attention to the stories of the Lord. Inquire of Him. Listen and watch for His power at work in you and around you. Hear His glories proclaimed and keep looking to our rock of help. Jesus Christ. Let's pray.
Father, we need you. And we need Jesus. And we need your Holy Spirit so desperately. Lord, like ancient Israel, in so many ways we are, we are conflicted and troubled. We are scattered and powerless. We look at the world and, and the armies of evil, they seem too much for us. And Lord, we have to admit that they are. That we cannot win this fight on our own and that without you we will go down to certain defeat. And Lord, help us to really know that. To really give up on our own efforts and instead turn to you. And Father, we pray that, that you continue to provide through King Jesus. Help us to hear the sound of your mighty power going out to defeat evil. Help us with the angels to declare glory to you on high. And to declare too that your peace has come to all those who follow you. Lord, we need your power. We need your peace. We need your presence. Be our Ebenezer in this Advent and Christmas time. Amen. We're going to respond to God's greeting by singing the song, Beautiful Savior. And as we sing this together, let's really remember and let's tell ourselves and tell each other this story that we serve a beautiful Savior and a risen King. Let's sing together. As we continue to walk through this Advent and Christmas season, we have a, a number of ways to help you continue to 
look toward the Lord. With this service later today, we also have a a second sermon video that you can watch to to focus on Jesus' birth and how that leads to our rebirth. Every day in Advent and then on through Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas, we'll have daily scripture readings posted on YouTube by members of our congregation. So, So hear those as a way of being in the Word together, even in this time when we're apart. Next Sunday, we'll have our regular morning service live streamed, and then we'll also um, live stream or send out a recording of our candlelight service, so as we go forward, you can worship those ways, and then we'll have a, a Christmas video also as we look ahead. So continue to worship through live stream with God's people in the weeks ahead. And now receive this blessing. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge of God and of God's Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing and the joy of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit remain upon you always. Amen.